It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. And uh, guys, it's been a lot of fun recently. It's been a, a veritable prospect palooza in the big leagues. Um, over the last week, three top 100 prospects called up and Dylan Carlson, Kiebert Ruiz, Alec Baum. Uh, we've got a couple more uh, set to make their big league debuts over the next couple of days and Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize. Um, and then a, a whole bunch of guys who um, are former top 100 prospects, guys that have fallen off the list for whatever reason over the past year or so have been called up recently. You guys have uh, – What's your guess? How many top 100 prospects in the big leagues right now? Total? Like who still qualifies top 100 guys? Or yep, current top 100 prospects. I'll say 12. I'm just guessing off the top of my head. No, so when you say current, you mean, I mean, what about guys who have graduated off the list? Currently on the list. I'll say 10. 17. Wow. It's a lot, right? Wow. And, you know, we, we could get, I would think we could get quite a few more. Uh, Jim, you did a story recently on top prospects who could help contenders down the stretch. I mean, we could we could have a quarter of the list, I would think, in the big leagues. Yeah, because it's it's. I mean, you, we've talked about this a number of podcasts. I mean, guys aren't graduating at the same rate that they normally do. Um, so that's you know th- th- that's one. You can't because of the way the season's uh, set up. Nobody's going to – if you weren't in the big leagues before this year, you can't graduate simply on days. You know, there aren't enough days to graduate. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like I think I came up with <laughs> – it's funny. I think I came up with what – did I do 10? Oh, no, I, I came up with a list of 11 last Thursday. And before the sto- – between when I sent the story and when it ran, Dylan Carlson got called up or it, the news came that he was getting called up. So that reduced the list to 10. And I think we've had two – we've had three more top 100 prospects called up since then. And only one of them was on my list. Like I, I had Casey Mize. I mentioned Terry Skubal in passing because I didn't want to list every Tigers pitcher. And I didn't have Caber Ruiz on, on the list. You know, he came up because of injury, but yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I mean, you know, obviously expanded rosters, I guess, play a part in that too. I think it's interesting. Just, it's kind of been a, a wide array of why guys have been called up. Uh, you know, you mentioned some injuries, but there are teams that are, you know, we're, being competitive uh, or there maybe they're around 500 and you know this year it's such a weird year a couple games here and there is gonna make the difference between playoffs and not so I think you're seeing guys get called up uh, you know not not just because of injuries but because well maybe they can help us win you know you look at the at the Tigers and we'll, we'll talk about Mize and Scooble but you know they were playing well and then they lost six in a row could could two starters like that you know put them back in the right direction. You know, they've lost six in a row, but they're only four and a half games out of first place, four and a half games out of first place. So, you know, it, it's, it's been an interesting combination of, uh, you know, well, let's see what a guy can do. Uh, you're playing out the string already. Uh, you know, although there, you know, there hasn't been as much of that, but ho- hopefully there will be more of that. But I, I think a lot of teams are looking to these guys, uh, hoping that they can help them, you know, right the ship or, or, compete uh in in this shortened season well to to continue the nautical metaphor i mean it really is kind of all hands on deck you know i mean you only have a you have a limited number of players who are even eligible to play in the big leagues and not all you know there are some guys who are clearly younger prospects in alternative camp who aren't going to get called up this year and you only have so much to deal with and you know we were talking about off the air before we started this you know the old adage Oh, uh, you know, you, you don't want to call a guy up and sit him on the bench. You know, you'd rather have him playing every day. Well, there there is no alternative. Like so, this year, if even if a guy like let's say you have a young guy who might only play half the time, 
that's still better for his development than, you know, getting 10 or 12 at bats off live pitching in, in all camp every week. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a combination of factors. I mean, you know, we talked about when we unveiled the new top 100 list that normally by that time of year, what, 15 guys or so probably would have graduated off the list. Um, you know, if we'd had the normal, you know, first three and a half months of the big league season and they didn't. So it's just, you know, I guess another <laughs> thing that's just very, very odd about 2020. So a couple of the guys who've been called up, uh, a couple of the top 100 guys, Dylan Carlson and Alec Bohm, both been playing every day. Um, I think those were situations where when it happened, we heard, you know, calling these guys up to play every day. And that has been the case so, so far, uh, especially with Carlson, who, you know, that I know that I heard that about him. You know, we're, we're bringing him up to play every day. He's now played five games in three days. So when you're when you say we're calling him up to play every day, he's he's certainly going to be getting that opportunity with the Cardinals who are going to be packing however many games into however many days so far uh, or throughout the rest of the season. Uh, Carlson off to a slow start so far, two for 17, uh, has played all over the outfield, two games in center, two games in right field, uh, one game in left field. Um, what have you guys seen so far and, and what should we expect from Carlson? I mean, you know, it's like any of these guys. I mean, it's small sample sizes, so it's hard to read too much into what they've done. You know, the Cardinals, <laughs> I was going to say it's hard to even get a read on the Cardinals because they only played five games before all that began. But, you know, I mean, you know, Dexter Fowler has good numbers now, but he didn't have a good year last year. You know, Harrison Bader can play defense, but he can't really hit. You know, Tyler O'Neill's kind of feast or famine. I, I think he has the opportunity to be, you know, maybe the most consistent outfielder they have. Like, you know, I think he's probably a better hitter than Dexter Fowler at this stage of Dexter Fowler's career. And he doesn't have O'Neill's power, but he's a better hitter than O'Neill. And he's definitely a better hitter than Bader. And, you know, he's played all over the outfield. So it gives you that versatility, which I think, you know, really matters in, in a season like this one too, where, you know, you can kind of plug him into the lineup, you know, wherever. I mean, I, I think he'll be fine. I mean, in this year, I mean, then we're going to see smaller amounts of playing time just because the season's so much more compressed. But I mean, we see it every year. I mean, there's some rookies who come up and, and do great right off the bat and other rookies who struggle, you know, for a little bit. I mean, he hasn't struck out, you know, he's got five strikeouts and in 18 plate appearances, you know, which isn't great, but it's not, you know, like he's just flailing away up there. So I, I think he'll probably be fine. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the fact that he can move around helps, you know, especially since the Cardinals are going to be playing, you know, a doubleheader every day or, or something cl close to it just to make up time. And it, it's not like the other guys are old, but, you know, Dexter Fowler is uh, a little bit older. I don't think you're going to expect him to play both ends of a doubleheader over and over and over again. So there's going to be ample playing time for Carlson, just even if he spends all year doing what he's done so far, which is move around and not settle into to one position because I don't think they'll have any trouble having him play both ends of, of double headers regularly. Uh, you know, I think he'll settle. And I, had this been a regular season, you know, there was a lot of talk at spring training that, you know, maybe he should make the opening day roster. It probably wouldn't have happened, but I could seen him, you know, have a good spring in big league camp. Uh, he was showing well, then go down to triple a, you know, spend a month raking in AAA, uh, and, and then they call him up uh, when he's ready because he's the kind of guy that you just make room for. You don't necessarily bring him up only because someone gets hurt or something like that. So I, I think that would have been the, the regular course of action. And, uh, you know, even if he scuffles for most of this summer, it's such a weird year. I, I think almost everyone deserves a mulligan. Uh, and I don't think he's gone to scuffle all year. I think he'll, he's going to make some adjustments and he's going to be just fine. Another guy getting good playing time, uh, Alec Baum, starting at third base so far uh, in the four games that he started, but he's played some first base too. Also has a little bit of the flexibility that uh, should bode well for him in, in this season. Um, number 31 overall prospect on the top 100 list and the only player ranked ahead of him on our top 10 third base prospects list is this year's number one overall pick Spencer Torkelson. Uh, what is it 
that makes uh, Bohm uh, the number one thirty number thirty one prospect in, in baseball, and uh, what kind of what kind of ceiling are are we looking at with him? He just hits. I mean, uh, he's a guy who you know was thought of as maybe the best overall hitter in, in his draft class. He moved quickly accordingly, and, and you know the the question was well, how much power is there going to be. And he started to show it. I mean, I went into the folly thinking like, all right, you know, he's a he's a good college hitter. Um, he was so good in the fall. I feel like every at bat he hit the ball hard, even even his outs. Um, and it, you know, the the Phillies had a, had a need. Uh, what they had, Gene Segura playing third, uh, who was hitting two twenty two. Um, Reese Hoskins at first hasn't been hitting. So there's plenty of opportunity, even if they want to move him back and forth. And I think that what he's done so far, which is, you know, four for 14 with a couple of doubles, you know, even as he's trying to figure things out at the new level, his approach is so good. He's, he's going to contribute and he's going to hit. And in terms of ceiling, I think this is a guy who, you know, could hit 300 and hit 25 homers a year easily um, in a, in a normal year. Uh, but I, I think, you know, of all the guys to get called up, uh, you, you know, of late or even this year, the guy that I felt certainty that he would at the very least hold his own at the plate, he would he, he would have been high on the list just because he has shown such an innate ability to barrel up the baseball wherever he's been. Yeah, I mean, he, he was really impressive in the fall league. Um, you know, I did Phillies camp in spring training, which again seems like it was about three years ago rather than five months ago. Um, and he was—it was funny. He was actually—I've interviewed him, I think, two or three times since he's been in pro ball, at least three. And he was chattier than he's ever been. Like he actually—we did a MLB Network hit with him, and then he just hung out and chatted for like 25 minutes. It was—it was—I kept thinking, man, doesn't Alec have some place to be? And he was just—you know—chatting. And the, the the story at the time—it was interesting. I don't know if you guys remember. Like, Bryce Harper was already banging the drum. Like, let's get these guys up in the big leagues. Like, like Alec Baum and Spencer Howard, these guys can play. And, you know, I, I don't – you know, we'll still see if he winds up at first base eventually, although with, you know, Reese Hoskins – we we saw what happened with a couple of years ago when the Phillies tried to move Reese Hoskins off first base into the outfield. You know, I, I think for now they're going to put Segura at second and Scott Kingery, who's struggling even more, I think at 128, is, is going to bounce around a little bit. But but I, I what Jonathan said, he – he's one of the better bat to ball guys in the minors. And unlike a lot of those guys, he has power to go with it too. He, he doesn't sell out for power. I, I always like the guys who can really hit and they know they have power and it's just going to come naturally. And he does that. So I'd be like, if, you know, comparing like if Dylan Carlson struggled, Dylan Carlson's, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe a little bit younger, you know, Dylan Carlson doesn't control the strike zone as well as Alec Baum. You know, if you told me Dylan Carlson hit 220 as a rookie, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you know, I can see that. I, I'd be very surprised if Alec Baum doesn't hit, you know, like 260 with a decent amount of power at a minimum just because he just puts the bat on the ball so easily. I think he had that sort of odd pro debut where he played 40 games across three levels and did not hit a home run, which um, I think was pretty surprising. Hit 252 and then, you know, he's only had 614 minor league at bats prior to making his major league debut. And then, you know, last year, I think we saw what, what everyone expected from him again, playing across three levels up to double a and 21 homers and slugging, uh, what five eighteen. Yeah. I want to say that first year, cause I interviewed him. I think I interviewed him like two spring trainings in a row. I think every spring training Alec Baum's been to, I've interviewed him, uh, either for us or for MLB Network. He got hit on the knee by a pitch a couple weeks after signing, and I don't think his leg was, from talking to the Phillies, his leg was completely healthy. You know, it wasn't like, you know, he needed surgery, but it just wasn't at full strength, and so he didn't have his, his legs with him that year. Because I, I know from talking to them, in the spring of 19, after his lackluster debut, you know, you don't, you don't take a guy number three out of college and, and, and are hoping, Hey, I hope this guy slugs 324 in his debut, which is what he did. And, and there was no concern on their part. You know, they, they, they just felt like, like he wasn't healthy, tried to play through it. You know, he wasn't making excuses, but he even, you know, he'd say, if you asked him about it, he, he would tell you, you know, it, it didn't feel great, but you know, Hey, you, you got to play through stuff in pro ball. And I think last year, 
he was the guy the Phillies thought they were getting. Yeah, I think even by uh, whatever instructs they did, he was already swinging the bat better because I, I remember, uh, and I do the Phillies list, uh, and, and, you know, we, you don't put too much stock into a pro debut one way or the other, but you, that was a little bit, I won't say alarming, but you're like, well, that wasn't that wasn't good at all. And then, you know, the, the explanation that Jim just laid out was right, and he was already feeling better by the end, and, and uh, you know, that was clear to the Phillies that they were going to see the real version of him in 2019. And that's, that's who showed up. And I think that's who we're going to see in the big leagues. Another guy we're seeing in the big leagues right now is Kiebert Ruiz. And whereas Dylan Carlson and Alec Baum are playing every day and, and likely going to play every day, Ruiz is up due to an injury. He's kind of expected to be backing up Austin Barnes while Will Smith is out with neck inflammation Homeward in his debut on Sunday. Um, he, this is a guy who I, I feel like he's been around for a while. He's one of those guys who signed uh, at, what, 16, I believe, and then was pretty quickly highly regarded and highly ranked and entered the top 100 prospects list at a young age. And you feel like he's been around for a while, but he's still quite young. But he, he has kind of slid down uh that top 100 list in terms of his ranking uh i believe went from i think he peaked 36 last year he was number 52 in 2018 and started this year at number 73 overall um the guy when i when i look at him jim doesn't seem like he's got one tool that really jumps out i think you know i was reading your uh story on what to expect from him and uh he was i think initially regard well regarded primarily for his defense but then he really hit in his pro debut and continued to hit uh, in the minors at a young age against advanced pitching and is it what is it now is it the hit tool that that you would say is his carrying tool or is it just the the tools across the board for him um, I think the hit tool is his best tool. Um, I think what makes him a good prospect, he's got a chance to be solid on both sides of the ball. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, I, I, I wouldn't say it's prospect fatigue with him, but you know, he kind of had an up arrow for a while and then he, he's, he slacked off some in double A the last couple of years. He, he's moved very quickly. I remember, so when they signed him, he was more of a defensive guy, and he and so he signed him in 2014. He wasn't a big money guy, just 140,000. Played in the Dominican Summer League in 2015, and it's funny. I remember being in Dodgers camp in 2016, and Jeremy Zoll, who was doing a lot of their minor league stuff, and is now an assistant GM of the Twins. We were talking about players. I think we were watching Usnail Diaz, and he said, "Hey, Caber Ruiz was getting a hit on one of the diamonds on the clover leaf." He's like. Caber Ruiz, you know, we were talking about, you know, we always have the category who are guys who we're going to be hearing about in a year or so. And he's like, this guy's a chance to be a really good prospect. He's one of our better catchers. He's super young. And then Caber Ruiz hit a home run in the, I think it was like a minor league spring training game. Right when Jeremy was telling me how good he was. And, you know, he, he got to high class A as an 18 year old. He wasn't quite 19. You know, he, he tore up, he tore up rookie ball in his U.S. debut. He hit 316 as a, 18 year old in 2017 got to high class a and then 2018 he split time with will smith another dodgers top 100 catching prospect who he's now replacing on the roster because will smith is hurt and had a pretty good year you know considering his age and then last year he kind of slumped so i mean he's he's only put up i mean his ops i think is about 699 700 last two years in double a um you know he's it's interesting because you can you can really dream on him and then, but you can also say, you know, geez, you know, he needs more polish, which, which I think is fair because he's young, but, you know, he definitely hits, he, he puts the bat on the ball, uh, you know, his career 299 hitter, he had one strikeout in 40 at-bats in AAA last year, career 9% strikeout rate, but he doesn't walk a whole lot because he puts the bat on the ball so easily. He's a switch hitter, but 27 of his homers have come as a left-handed hitter, including his one in his first big league at-bat. He's just slugged 341 as a righty for his career. He's got raw power, but he, he too often, you know, because he puts a bat on the ball so easily, puts balls in play that he'd be better off letting go by and finding a pitch he could damage more. Um, you know, Dave Roberts made a point before they called him up, talking about how, 
his left-handed swing, which provides most of his power, can get uphill, and they've been working with him on using his legs more and and getting to the pull side a little bit more easily, you know, which he he did in that one at bat. Um, and then defensively, it's kind of the same package. There, there's upside there, but it still needs polish. Like he can flash solid arm strength, but he doesn't really make accurate throws. It, it, his accuracy is inconsistency inconsistent, and he's only thrown out 23% of base stealers since he's been a full season ball and same thing behind the plate. He can be a solid receiver. He moves well, he frames well, he's got good hands, but he gets a little lackadaisical behind the plate. So I I think he's just young. Um, You know, we didn't have a normal year this year. I think he would have spent most of the year in triple a and they would have let Austin Barnes and Will Smith be the catchers. Um, I would think that you probably send him to triple a next year. If we get back to normal business Um, because he's, he's not a developed prospect and you know as we said i mean he was called up solely because they needed another catcher because will smith is going to be on the dl with neck inflammation for at least 10 days or, or il i guess now we should say um, so I, I think he'll probably play two or three times and then he could go back theoretically to alternative camp once will smith is is healthy again all right let's talk about a couple of tigers top 100 pitching prospects who are scheduled to make their debuts on back-to-back days this week but before we do that here's a word from our sponsor Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. All right, guys. Exciting times for Tigers fans. Uh, This week, their top right-handed and left-handed pitching prospects Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal, both slated to make their major league debuts on back-to-back days facing the White Sox. Skubal Tuesday, Mize Wednesday. Uh, also called up Isaac Paredes, another uh, former top 100 prospect. And, uh, you know, as much as they struggled uh, lately, uh, things certainly looking up for them, and and I think – an exciting time for Tigers fans to get to see these guys. Yeah. I mean, I think regardless of whether you believe they're a contender, I mean, they're only two games under 500, which puts you in the playoff race this year, or if they're really more of a rebuilding club that just got hot at the start of the season, it was going to make sense for them at some point this year to call up the, these pitchers, you know, Casey Mize, number one overall pick in 2018, Tarek Skubal had a you know great year last year. They've got Matt Manning, who's a former first-round pick. They've got Alex Faito, who's another first-round pick. All four of those guys had success in AA this year. And had we had a normal year, they all would have opened the year in AAA. And the plan would have been, I think, that you see them debut in the big leagues kind of down the stretch like they are now. And, and I think it's, it's definitely a case, like, I, I don't really expect them to contend through a whole 60-game season. But it, it's definitely a case where – you know, there's only so much you could do in alt camp. You know, like you're, you're not pitching, you're, you're not starting every fifth day. You're not really, it's not the same atmosphere as actually playing in real games. And so I think this, this makes a ton of sense. I'm excited about seeing both of these guys. And I don't know about you, Jonathan, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Manning and Fayetto at some point later in the year too, because none of these guys are going to get a full year of service time at this point. So you don't have to worry about that. Their rotation has been, just awful not that they're going to necessarily win this year anyway but it's been awful besides spencer turnbull 
Um, and you need to get these guys some meaningful innings, even even if it's just 30 innings, 30 meaningful innings in the in the major leagues here in the last six weeks of the season. That's something to build on for next year. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, it, I would be surprised if we didn't see those guys. I mean, the only reason would be if there wasn't a regular slot for them to to take. But, you know, we're seeing teams do piggybacks and six-man rotations, and especially if the Tigers aren't com- – either way, if they are competing, then these guys can help them compete. And if they're not competing, then they could do whatever they want with their rotation and, and make sure guys get regular regular time. Uh, and, yeah, you, you mentioned the Tigers pitching staff. They were 13th in the American League in earned run average uh, heading into today. So I think that uh, all the more reason to bring these guys up and, and give them some innings and see what they can do. I mean, this is, a, is about as low-pressure a uh, situation as, you know, maybe if it had been a full season and you pointed out and they, they got a September call-up. But this is a way for them to get, you know, regular season innings on a team that ostensibly is not out of it, you know, and they were playing well earlier. So there's, uh, you know, maybe a little excitement that maybe these guys can help them turn things back around and and they can hang around a little bit, surprisingly. Uh, But also there's nothing to lose. I don't think anyone thought the Tigers were going to compete this year going into into the year. They are still in rebuilding. You know, they've had the picks at the very top of the draft and that are starting to come to fruition. Uh, although, you know, the thing that's interesting, you mentioned Manning and Fayette, and of course, Mai is the number one pick. Scoobol is is a great scouting story just in that, you know, he came from Seattle uh, and the, the university, not the Mariners. Uh, you know, a guy who Tommy John surgery, so he didn't get the throw. So it was a little bit of a flyer. So the combination of scouting and the player development job that uh, they've done with him, for him to become as good as quickly as he did uh, and for him to be deemed ready to to take uh, the ball in a major league start uh, is, a, is a fun little story. Mize, of course, um, the top-ranked right-handed pitching prospect in baseball. Um, he's up there just ahead of Nate Pearson, who we've also been uh, lucky enough to see in the big leagues this year. Uh, Mai is number eight on the top 100 prospects list and Pearson number nine. So these guys are uh, very close. Um, Obviously Mai is one spot ahead in, in our, in our list, but when you guys talked it over, was there any one of you who like Pearson overmise in the long run or too close to call? Or what are your thoughts there? I'm actually going to the, uh, I was going to say videotape, but I'm actually going to the uh, Excel spreadsheet to see. But I mean, because I have no memory. What's yeah, I, I can't remember I how remember. we voted for those guys either. But uh, but I, I think it's close. It's just like to me, you could come. I mean, we say this all the time when guys are back to back like that on the list then you know obviously it's kind of a coin flip you could you could pick one versus the other i, I think mize combines stuff and polish better than anybody in the minor leagues um you know pearson i think you know definitely has more pure velocity and, and pearson throws a lot of strikes for for a guy with his power um i just think mize's commands a little bit better and you could argue that pearson's uh health history with his arm, you know, he, you know, Mize had some mild issues at, at, um, at Auburn. I mean, you, you could go back and forth and make the argument, but looking at this, I had Mize one spot ahead of Pearson. Mike had Pearson two spots ahead of Mize and Jonathan had Mize three spots ahead of Pearson. So, um, so we, we get Mike Rosen, but we could, we could use a, li- a lifeline and call Mike and ask him, but no, it's, I think it's just a matter of taste. If, if you were going pure stuff, I think you would take Nate Pearson. If you were going polish, you would go Casey Mize. But at the same time, Pearson has some polish, and Mize has all kinds of pure stuff. And I still think he might have the best splitter I've ever seen. I just don't think I've ever seen a guy command a splitter like Casey Mize does. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really. I, and the thing that's interesting about him too is is two years ago in 2019 when I was in spring training, we were doing uh, we're doing. I guess we're calling them demos. We're getting different players, not necessarily every camp, to show us 
you know, things, you know, what they could do. I, I know, Jonathan, you did a bunch of them. I did a bunch of them. I was talking to Casey Mize about his pitches and his grips, and he is, like, a really cerebral pitcher. Like, he spends a lot of time in pitch labs. Like, you know, here's a guy who's the number one overall pick, and, like, his cutter is really a slider, and I think his slider is really curved, but he calls him a cutter and a slider. And he was, like, trying to reshape his breaking balls. Like, he wasn't, even though he's number one pick and had had success in his brief pro debut, he, you know, was looking to get better. So I, I was really struck by, like, how much he knew about pitching. Like, he, lo- you know, he, he's into all the technology. Um, so I, I'm really interested in him. And, you know, Scoobal, you know, as John was saying, I mean, great story. You know, Tommy John at Seattle, you know, lower round pick. And, I mean, his swing and miss rate was one of the best. It might have been the best. I don't have it in front of me. In the minors last year, guys just don't hit his stuff even when it's in the zone. Yeah, he had the highest swinging strike rate in the minors, uh, according to our scouting report, at 18%. Yeah, I believe it. And stuff is going to play. I mean, it's going to play right now. So it's it's a fun time for, for Detroit Tigers fans. Yeah, looking at Mize, uh, looking at his scouting grades, you got a graded fastball at 60. The splitter you were talking about, Jim, 70, which. And I would go 80. I mean, I just love that splitter. But I mean, not, that, not that I throw 80s out, but I think you could go 80 on the splitter even. That's how good it is. Uh, you throw more 80s out than any of the rest of us. Can't be stingy. Come on. Got to have an 80 here and there. Uh, 60 slider, 60 control, 65 overall. And comparing that again to Pearson, Pearson's got the 80 fastball, um, which I think you guys are more likely to put an 80 on a fastball than a, a secondary pitch. I don't, I don't know that we've ever had an 80 on a secondary pitch. Do you, do you recall? Probably no, not. I don't think so. I mean, we throw 104. When we see you throw 104 in the fall stars game, we'll give you an 80 for your fastball. Right. Uh, he's got the 60 slider. Does Pearson. 50 curveball, 55 changeup, 55 control. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the reason that I like Mize more than Pearson, and this is going to sound a little backwards, but it's almost it's, – it's not a negative. But if you look at how often the ultra-hard-throwing starting pitchers get hurt, they all get hurt. It's a concern. And, I mean, not that there's any glaring red flaw with Nate Pe- – you know, red flag with, with Nate Pearson – but it worries me a little bit that he throws so hard all the time. Like, it's hard to keep those guys healthy. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at some other guys who um, you know, I talked about earlier. Players who were at one point on the top 100 list are not currently, but are in the big leagues. Uh, I mentioned Isaac Paredes, uh, the third Tiger, being called up this week. Um, he's one of them. He was a guy who was kind of always on the cusp, I think, of being on the top 100 list. And we talked about it a little bit yesterday, and I think we came to the conclusion that he maybe never started the season on a list, but moved on to the list uh, to replace a player who graduated and then was bumped off. Um, James Caprillion, Luis Garcia of the Nats, um, Jorge Mateo, who was on the list uh, several times and with a couple different teams, uh, Monty Harrison, Justin Dunn, a lot of guys who were at one time top 100 prospects and then fell off the list. Um, Luis Garcia homered yesterday and sort of famously now has become the first player born in the 2000s to homer in the big leagues. Um, Here's a guy who... uh, was one of those players who was playing at a young age against much older competition, uh, jumped onto the top 100 list, I believe, last year for the first time. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, Luis Garcia. Yeah, he, I mean, he just jumped off because of a jumped off. We got pushed off when we when we re-ranked uh because with uh, with the new draftees uh, and he had he had moved down I, mostly because he had a bad year last year uh he's still so young i mean the, i mean that you mentioned that note the first guy born in the 2000s to homer and it just means the three of us are old but um 
you know, I, I was still high on him, but needed to see more. You know, the the Nationals had pushed him very aggressively. It was sort of the Juan Soto developmental path, and they always spoke very highly of his uh, his ability to handle the challenge. And you know, in 2018, we played two levels of A ball. Like, all right, you know, hit 298 at a 740 and change ops. Good for an 18-year-old who plays up the middle. And then 2019, he wasn't, it wasn't like he was terrible. Uh, you know, it just, you know, 617 OPS in double A as a 19-year-old. And he was fine in, in the fall league. Uh, again, didn't jump out, but, you know, decent approach. Uh I, I was kind of of the mind that, you know, going into this year, we he was lower down in the top 100. I figured he'd spend the year either back in double-A or in triple-A, and, and I had heard good reports. I visited Nats camp uh, in, in spring training. Remember when there was spring training? Uh, and they were thrilled with how he reported and how he looked and how he was carrying himself. And so I, I kind of expected that maybe he'd move his way back up the list when you know, if we had done a normal re-rank, but obviously – as we've said over and over again, this year has been anything but normal. So uh, I'm assuming that uh, he carried over what he was doing in spring training into alternate camp and, and has looked really, really good. And that's why we're seeing a guy born in the 2000s taking his hacks uh, in the big leagues now. And I think he was kind of a promotion out of necessity, too. I mean, the Nationals are obviously trying to win this year. Uh, Starlin Castro got hurt. It was, you know, I, I, I don't think if Starling Castro doesn't get hurt that they were necessarily saying, hey, let's promote Luis Garcia this year. But, you know, it's just, a, you know, again, you have a limited pool of players. Um, they don't have a lot of middle infielders. I think Wilmer Defoe is their other middle infielder. I mean, they they really have limited options up the middle because Drupal Cabrera is definitely a, a corner guy now. Um, you know, but it, it, it does seem crazy. A guy born in the 2000s has hit a home run in the big leagues. I, I, I would not have had him in that pool had we been trying to guess who the first 2000-born player with a home run would have been. So we have a, a story up on the site now of the first player to homer – uh, first player born in each decade to Homer. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Garcia becoming the first born in the 2000s to Homer. First player born in the 1990s to Homer in the big leagues was Starlin Castro. Uh, did it with the Cubs. Who he replaced. That's interesting. Uh, first player born in the 1980s to Homer in the big leagues, Albert Pujols. First player born in the 70s was although, although wait a minute i was gonna say you know it's interesting because there's still people who as great as he is question the validity of albert pujol's birthday right right um pudge first player born in the 70s to homer in the big leagues ivan rodriguez i you could you could probably spend the rest of your lives trying to guess the pl first player born in the 60s to homer in the big leagues and i don't think you would get it i'm gonna go with ricky salheimer you cheated jim I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was my second guess. I remember watching that game live where he homered off Fergie Jenkins, seventh inning uh, against the White Sox. I mean, the White Sox. You're embarrassing yourself right now. Amazing recall. I, I was watching that game live when it happened. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I almost wouldn't be surprised, but uh, you, you've got probably knew at that moment that he was the first player of his. Born in his in his decade to Homer, Cesar Cedeno, first player born in the fifties to Homer in the big leagues, forties Ron Santo. All these guys, you know, pretty well household names, minus Ricky Seelheimer, Seilheimer. Uh, yeah, I had already forgotten what his last name was, so it's just... I just never knew. Uh, the nineteen twenties, tremendous name, Sibby Sisti. Now you're just making things up. I know. No, that's that's uh, according to David Adler, Andrew Simon, and Matt Kelly, our crack research team. That is a real player. Long time uh, big leaguer, according to them. Played like what thirteen years? It says here. So, Luis Garcia joining uh, that esteemed list. Hey, you know Ricky Salheimer. I'm looking at this. Was a first round pick in the 1979 draft out of high school, and then he homered. You know, shortly after that, the, the following season, he, he was 19 when he hit that home run. 
now I am actually surprised that you didn't know that. Well, he only, he only played 21 games in the big leagues. So he got to the big leagues at age 19, and then that was the extent of his career. Now we need to find out what happened to. Yeah, we need to we need to get on this and uh, and find out what the deal is with Ricky Salheimer. All right, uh, we want to talk about some more rookies who have been uh, excelling here in the early going. Uh, before we do that, though, another word from a sponsor. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you, based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Having your own home is awesome, but it's also a lot of work. The good news? Finding help for your projects is easier than ever. Introducing Angie, the app that puts all your home care needs at your fingertips. Need a pro to fix that emergency leak? Maybe find someone to build a deck or even set your seasonal tasks on autopilot. Angie can handle all that and more. Expert pros, hundreds of home projects, clear pricing, and the easiest way to book and pay in seconds. This is Angie, your home for everything home. Download the app today. All right, guys, we put out our second edition of our rookie power rankings. Uh, we did the first one about a week and a half into the season, uh, and we're putting these out every couple of weeks give a little time for players to uh, perform a bit and move around in the rankings. This week we had five new players enter the list. Uh, We had the same number one in Kyle Lewis, who continues to put up surprisingly good numbers. Um, Lewis Robert was number two on our initial list. He dropped to number three and then was a, so angered by that that he hit two home runs last night shortly after we put out the list clearly was motivated by that. Um, he was passed on the list by Randy Dobnak. Uh, the first national league player on the list is Jake Cronenworth of the Padres. Uh, number five on the new list is Matt Foster, who was a, uh, Cronenworth and Foster both debuting on the list. Neither was on the initial list. Number six, uh, James Karinchak of the Indians, who continues to pitch extremely well and in high leverage situations uh, for the Indians. Number seven is Christian Javier, the Astros. Number eight, Nick Solak of the Rangers, who uh, was not on the first list. Number nine, Jordan Romano of the Blue Jays. And number 10, Dustin May, who... uh, has been impressive and I feel like, you know, has opened a lot of eyes and has been talked about a lot, but was not on the initial list. And it's just number 10 on, on the list now hasn't, the numbers haven't been great. The stuff has been great. Um, but he entered the list for the first time this week as well. Uh, a couple guys that we haven't talked about. I feel like we've talked about pretty much all these guys over the past few weeks, but Matt Foster and Nick Solak are a couple of guys who jumped on the list this week. Uh, Jim, what can you tell us about them? Yeah, they're, they're both on teams I do. Um, you know, Foster, I think, is probably the biggest surprise on this list. Um, not a guy who was really that highly regarded as a prospect until, you know, last year, to be honest. I mean, he was a 29th round pick out of high school, spent a couple of years at Gulf Coast State Junior College in Florida. He was a setup man in Alabama, 20th round pick. And he actually took two months off in 2017. He had some personal issues. Um, 
but he just kept, you know, after that, he came back and he kept climbing the ladder. He got a spot on the 40 man last year. Um, you know, the, the changeup is probably his best pitch. He, he's been very effective in the big leagues to this point. I mean, with all three of his pitches, but the changeup is probably his best pitch. I think he's pitched 10 and two thirds innings. Um, don't think he's given up a run yet. Um, you know, he's averaging almost 13 strikeouts per nine innings. He's got 15 strikeouts, two walks. I mean, he's been very dominant in that relief role, but he's, he's not an overpowering guy. You know, it's, it's 90, 93, four seamer. Um, he's got a slider that's, you know, average-ish, but he, he's got a changeup that just really locks down lefties. And he, even though he's not an overpowering guy, he just goes right after hitters um attacks him and, and so far it's worked he's been a nice revelation for a white Sox team that has designs on, on getting back to the playoffs and then you know Solak is interesting him. he's been traded a couple times already uh you know in his career you know he was a second round pick by the you know, by the Yankees out of Louisville back in I think it was 2016 they traded him it was like a three-team trade before the 2018 season where the Yankees sent, I think the Yankees got Brandon Drury, the Rays got Steven Souza, a bunch of players went all over the place, but he wound up with the Rays, and then the Rays traded him last year for Pete Fairbanks. And his evolution as a hitter has been really, really interesting to me. When he was at Louisville, he was a bad on ball guy, not much power, he could run, you know, stolen base guy, not a great second baseman. You know, the defense was kind of a question mark. And then in pro ball, he's just, you know, made adjustments. I mean, he's gone from 12 homers in his first full season to 19 in the next last year, hit 32, including five in the big leagues. Um, You know, he's hit almost 300 in the minors and in his his brief time in the majors, he's got about 50 games in the majors to this point because he he played really well for the Rangers down the stretch last year. They've kind of, you know, I, I still think he needs a defensive home. Like he's not, He's not the smoothest infielder. They've bounced him around the outfield some. I think so far this year he's started games in center and left and second and played at first. He started at third last year when Joey Gallo was hurt. Um, but he's interesting. I, I, I like him. I, I think the the floor for him would be that kind of super utility guy who plays all over the place um, and can you know do a lot of things offensively. Um, you know, he, I, I think for your defense is probably best off if he's in the outfield. I think that might be the best fit for him. And with the way he's increased his power profile, I think he could profile on the corner now where, where you wouldn't have said that coming out of school. So it's just been interesting to watch him kind of, kind of change as a hitter, uh, you know, since he's been in pro ball and, and he's off to a good start with the, with the Rangers. I think one of the things that was interesting about, uh, cause I, you know, I wrote the, the rankings this week, you know, and just in, since we, started kind of looking at the at the rookie class uh because frankly that's all the baseball there is right um is a combination of relievers who are getting a chance to pitch not only pitch but pitch high leverage innings on teams that are playing well like foster and karen check uh and then you look at the astros who had so many injuries and christian javier's had a chance to go out and show what he can do and settle into into the rotation jordan romano another reliever the combination of just a need for relievers and injuries for pitchers has opened the door for these guys to, to not just oh, get a chance to pitch, but uh, pitch well and be handed the ball in, in key situations. Uh, these are guys who are who are getting the ball in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning in in, in relief opportunities. They're not pitching, you know, the the fourth and fifth, which is these days also important. But you know, it, just in terms of the sort of high leverage nature of it. I think it is interesting. And, and Jason, you mentioned Dustin May just sort of sneaking onto the list. And, you know, if this were a pure who's going to, you know, be standing at the end as a rookie of the year competitor, I'd probably move him up the list. And I, I actually expect him to start moving up the list with each start that he gets. I think he's going to get better. So I think he's at number 10, but he's got the uh, the up arrow next to his name. One player who is not on the list uh, our our top 10 list right now, which I think heading into the season, if you had told me that we were going to do this and that, you know, close to a month into the season, this guy would not be in the top 10. I would have been very surprised as Evan white, uh, just because you knew he was going to get the chance to play. You knew the glove would be there. And, and, you know, I, I think the thinking was that the bat would at least be solid. And, uh, 
he hit two homers last night and uh, maybe a sign of him starting to come around. But I think the surprise for me in looking at the numbers is the fact that he struck out in nearly half of his at-bats, 38 strikeouts and 79 at-bats, which is not something that that uh, I, I think anyone really expected. Although the, the thing that was a little worrisome about him, I mean, I like him as a prospect, and I think he'll come out of this, but he was always kind of like the anti, the, the, you know, the, the exact opposite of your typical first baseman. I mean, everything about him is kind of unusual, even the, the bats right throws left. But, I mean, he's, he's a first baseman who, as he was coming up, you know, his power was probably his worst tool. I mean, he's a plus runner. He's a gold glove caliber defender. He's got a strong arm. And he was more of a bat on ball guy than a power guy. And last year in double A, he did hit 18 homers and he slugged 488 and he started to drive the ball more, but he also struck out more than he ever had. And he started walking a lot less. And it seems like that's been an extreme this year. I mean, he's, you know, they signed him to the major league contract. So he probably would have made the team anyway. But I mean, I, I, I looking at it, Jonathan, just, and again, I mean, I'm reading a lot, I guess, into 88 big league at bats. This is probably a guy who could have used some triple A time because even though he, he put up better power numbers last year, he wasn't controlling the strike zone and he was swinging and missing a lot more than he had in the past. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. And, you know, uh, without you know, digging into his double A at bats, I don't know if he if he you know was trying to sell out for power throughout the season. He only played in 92 games. He missed some time. Um, you know, whether that was first half, second half kind of thing. But it it was sort of moving in a in a not great direction i, I think he's going to find the middle ground uh, at uh, at some point um you know this is a guy i remember talking to him before i think it was before the 2018 season it may have been before last year just in terms of the 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 power piece and he you know he played mostly in the california league and he he did slug 458 and he really wasn't worried about it because he was a hit over power guy throughout his time in Kentucky. He felt the power would come and I don't know if it started to come and, you know, he got credit for it and started to sell out for it more. Cause I don't think that's who he is. So I, I think he will settle back in and he'll be fine. Uh, but I do think that a little more upper level time might have been, a good thing. And I'm not even basing that on what he's done so far this year, although that certainly adds some, some evidence to it, but he, you know, he had a grand total of 400 plate appearances in double a. Uh, and then the year before, you know, he was in high a the, the whole year. He just only had just over a thousand plate appearances in the minors. I don't think he needed that much more, but in a perfect world, maybe he would have gone to triple a and played for a month and hit his way up, uh, up to Seattle. All right, so I mentioned early in this podcast that there are 17 top 100 prospects currently in the big leagues. Uh, Jim, you recently took a look at some more top 100 prospects who uh, we certainly could be seeing soon and could help their teams uh, down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I would think we'll probably see most of these guys for the reasons we talked about earlier in the podcast. There's no reason, I mean, there is more reason to call guys up, even if they don't play regularly, to, to get them some at-bats. I, I think maybe as the season goes on, even though 16 teams will make the playoffs, I think right now there's maybe, what, five teams that seem – only five teams that you would describe or, or six maybe is five or six totally hopeless in terms of making the playoffs right now. And that number will increase and we'll see more guys get up. But, um, you know, I, I mean uh, – Gavin Lux was a guy I think we all thought was going to be National League Rookie of the Year, and I, I don't think he's going to be National League Rookie of the Year now, but I would assume at some point he'll be back up with the Dodgers. Uh, we've seen the Padres call up Mackenzie Gore. I mean, I call up Luis Patino. Mackenzie Gore might not be too far behind. You know, we, we talked about Mize and Scooble. We could see Matt Manning as another Tiger's arm. Uh, Christian Pache with the Braves. You know, they're getting almost nothing out of Ender Inciarte, and, and Pache had a sprained ankle he's come back from. Joey Bart with the Giants. I mean, those are all guys, you know, in our top 25. And and you could go, you know, on and on. Brendan Rodgers probably with the Rockies. Uh, Clark Schmidt with the Yankees. You know, I think if you were doing it on – if you were picking the opening day rotation on merit, he would have been in the Yankees rotation. But they had some veterans ahead of him. Um, and even a guy like Alex Kurloff, 
is probably the guy who has the least opportunity on my list because the Twins are scoring a bunch of runs and they're loading the outfield DH. But if they need a bat off the bench, he's looking good in alternative camp. And I think I had Ian Anderson on this list last year when I did it, and, and I have him back on this list. You know, the, the Braves rotation has been kind of shaky after Max Freed. So, you know, I, I think I, – I don't know if we'll, we'll go 10 for 10 or 11 for 11 if we count Carlson. But I, I bet of those guys on that list, we might see eight or nine of them in the big leagues before the season's over. I thought Jim was breaking some news there when he said Mackenzie Gore had been called up. I, I stumbled there. I, I got yeah, excited. I, I, Mackenzie Gore, you know, it's like you can't not get excited. I, I think, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think most or all of those guys are, are going to get called up, uh, you know, unless there's some injuries that we don't know about and things like, like that, uh, either now or down down the stretch uh, of this season. So uh, I would, uh, I'm willing to take, uh, willing to take the bet and agree with you that I think all, almost all of those guys will end up in the big leagues this year. What about the possibility of seeing a 2020 draft pick in the big leagues this year? Uh, Joe Madden saying that he would not rule out uh, their 2020 uh first round pick Reed Detmers making it to the big leagues at some point this year. Now, each year uh, right after the draft, we do a story that looks at the picks from that crop that, that you guys think are going to reach the big leagues first. And as Detmers is not really a surprise here. Yeah. I mean, the angels are one of those teams already seems, I mean, they're eight and 15. I, like, I, that one, I will chalk up. I mean, I think Reed Demers is as polished as any college pitcher in the draft, and he'd be capable of making that jump as anybody in this year's draft. I don't know what purpose it would serve for a, a team that's 8-15 and 15 to give service time and rush a guy like that. Um, that I mean, I, I think we could see a guy, but I, I think it would be more likely to be somebody on a contender. Like if, like if you saw Burl Caraway called up, by the Cubs or Garrett Crochet called up by the White Sox. Those guys would make more sense to me than the team that seems like they're kind of out of it already. Yeah, I actually had to double check the standings uh, to make sure when I saw that report. Um, and I'm sure Detmers has been throwing well uh, and he is incredibly advanced. Could he handle the assignment? Yes. I don't, I agree with, with you, Jim. I, like, I don't really see the point of the Angels. Uh, getting him going, uh, you know, with where they're at this year. If they were, you know, a couple games out of first place and it looked like they were competing and uh, and they were short a pitcher, then yeah, okay, um, you know, uh, go back to the all hands on deck kind of mentality. But um, I don't know if you want all hands on deck if your season looks like it's going the way of the Titanic. So Jonathan, who I've, would you think? If I've one stunned of the, you all. With I know we didn't know how to we didn't record. know how to react. I was gonna say, Jonathan, no. if, if you th- if if you had to pick one draftee, twenty twenty draftee to play play in the big leagues this year, who who would it be for you? Do you think? I like I like the idea of crochet. Um, you know, because his stuff is so electric, you could do a David Price kind of thing and put him in the bullpen now, even if you believe that he's going to be a starter. Uh, and clearly the White Sox do. They're hanging around. Uh, they, you know, they've got an exciting young team, so you'd fit right in. Uh, so I, I like that as the as the as the guy outside of some of those guys who are college relievers. Um, that's the one that makes the most sense to me uh, of of the guys who I think are advanced enough to to be able to do it. And the White Sox want you know have legitimate playoff hopes. And the rotation has been unsettled, you know, in the back end. So I could, you know, even if you call him up and you're asking him to go four innings or twice through the lineup, I could see that. Um, I, I agree. I, I think it's one of the Chicago teams. I think it's him or, or like I said, Burl Caraway, who, who is a reliever. Um, you know, the Cubs, you know, Kyle Ryan has been dreadful so far this year. And I think he's the only healthy lefty in their bullpen right now. So I would not be surprised if we saw Burl Caraway at some point for them. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Pipeline Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back at you next week.
talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com MLB. GetRoman.com MLB.